what do you say I am? This is God asking you. This is Jesus asking you, who do you say that I am? Now, I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 16 is my starting point. Jesus had just been with the religious leaders. Again, the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is about information. God desires relationship. You can't have a relationship without information, but there's a lot of people who attend church all the time who know a whole lot about Jesus. How many of you know what this is? How do you know? You've seen a stool before? Right? So we assume this is a stool. It could be a wooden stool. It could be a chair. But, but we're going to, at this present moment, because we've seen other stools, other chairs, we're going to believe, acknowledge that this is a chair, a stool, something. It's wooden, all right? <clears throat> okay? So there's a lot of people who know a lot about God. There's a lot of people who know all about Jesus. In fact, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most documented historical fact in all of antiquity. There's more written about it than any other topic in the world. It is, and again, it's so easy to prove because there's so much written, not only in the Bible, but at the time of written by non-believers, by government officials, by how history was changed from, from before Christ, B.C. to A.D. after death. You know, the whole, the whole world was changed because of Jesus. So, so it's not that people don't believe in Jesus. Well, let me say this. Everybody has to acknowledge that Jesus was real. Now, but, you know, there's things on the Internet. How many of you know everything on the Internet is always true? There's a whole lot of things about Jesus that aren't true. There's a lot of facts and teaching and stuff out there. That's, so you have to learn how to read what's right and discern that for yourself. And the best way is five out of seven, cultivate a personal relationship. So Jesus has been with some religious leaders. They, they said one thing and did another. How many of you, have you ever met somebody who's a religious person who said one thing, told you all the things you should do, but lived like hell? All right, so the people that Jesus slammed were the religious leaders of the, the day. Now, we're going to jump in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say I am? He had just been with religious leaders. He had been with all these people. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus switches from who did the crowd say I am? Who did the religious leader say I am? Now you're close to me. You're my friends. Who do you say I am? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. Now notice Jesus' response. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any other human being. In other words, the revelation of who God is wasn't something he read, something that he heard, but that God had jumped off the page of life and spoken to him because of the presence of God. Okay? So how many of you know the things that are going to carry in life is not what you know, but who you know? Amen? And learning to walk out that faith. All right? Now, God's word's true no matter what. But then when God says, I'm going to do that through my word to you, then you go, it's a done deal. All right? So again, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. Literally, the word means the anointed one, the king. You know what? The Messiah, the Savior. How many of you, Jesus is king of your life? 
That means he's the Lord, he's in charge, you do what he says, not what you want. Okay? We all want Jesus as our Savior. We don't always want Jesus as our King. And Jesus is King Jesus, all right? Matthew chapter 16, 15, who do you say that I am? Now, what Jesus is, again, 16, when I was 16 years of age, I came to know Christ as my Savior. I'd been in church all my life. I would even say I loved God. I knew, I knew very little about God, even though I went to church. And so, to me, my experience of who I knew God was, I thought God was this mean God that if I didn't go to church, I was doomed, all right? That if I didn't say these prayers, if I didn't do these acts of contrition, if I didn't walk through these rituals. And so, I would say I had a religious observation of my faith. I, I was jumping through some hoops thinking if I did them, I'm, gonna, I'm good to go. And then I would walk away and live like hell, right? I'm going to talk about hell a lot today, so get over it, all right? All right, <clears throat> so, so, but let me tell you what the Scripture is. First of all, the Scripture, the Bible is God's Word. It's infallible. It doesn't change. I don't need to argue that fact. Uh, there's just so much. It's just unbelievable. If you're kind of new at this thing, there's just Good book if you ever want evidence that demands a verdict about this thick, proving that God's word is always true. But it's cool, okay? Uh, but God's word is true. And the thing is about God, all that you could ever think or imagine about God is in his word. So in the Old Testament, we read the, the, about God and we'll read the word God. But in the Old Testament, the word God could be Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. Or it could be Jehovah Rafi, God is my healer. Or it could be Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. So when we read the word God, a lot of times in the English we miss. But even in the New Testament, it's like, who has God become to you? When I first came to know Christ, God was the God who saved me. I saw people who had been in church with my whole entire life. Something changed. And they, God went from, again, we're going to talk about this, from their head to their heart. And I saw a radical transformation. And I'm going, I don't know what they have. But I've seen their life change. I've saw God heal their bodies. I've seen God provide for them. I don't know what it is that they have, but I want it because I've seen it to be real. And so for me, I had an outward observation, and I said, something they've got is real. I had religion. Now I want what they've got, which is relationship. So one of the things that, about that is so through those years, God was my Savior. God was the God that forgave me of my sins. God was the God that provided for me. Over these last 40 years, I've seen God my healer. I've seen God the, who comforts me when I've blown it or I've gone through a crisis Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We all walk through shadows, and God has always been there. He's never left me. He's never forsaken. So my view of God has become so much bigger through the thousands of incidents, the thousands of times God's spoken to me because I've come to know and walk with God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. How many of you know God wants to have a great relationship with you that's not just a religious observation or fill your head with what happened at church, but he wants to walk with you right where you are, be with you in your troubles. And so who is God to you today? God wants to expand that vision. Now, God has never changed, but sometimes we believe lies. Again, we listen to the internet. We, we grew up here and God was this mean, angry God that says, if I don't do this, how many of you know God is a loving God, but he's also a just God and must punish sin? But he's a loving God, all right? 
God doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He does not change. He's same. He's true. But we sometimes have bitten into lies and have the wrong perception of who God is. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He never lies, never told a lie. He always tells the truth every time. He's not a human, so he does not change his mind. He's not fickle. He's not one day, one way one day and, and different the next day. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Again, when you know that you know that God says, when you're reading your Bible and you become confident in God speak, he says, I'm telling you something. I'm not just giving you information to tell you. I'm telling you for a reason. And if you'll align your life with what I'm doing, God says, I will speak. And when I tell you something, I'm going to act. Amen? That gives us faith and confidence. Has he ever promised and not carried through? God is always true to his word. Now, we're getting ready to come into Easter. Easter is just a few weeks away. And, and at Easter... We will see more people give their life to Christ than any other time of the year. I want to prepare us. As a church, we, one of the things we want to do is, first of all, what is a disciple? What does it mean to be a believer in Christ? And how can I go out into the city and fill the city with Jesus? How can I share my faith? So I'm going to just give you some, some facts and details that help arm you to answer questions that are commonly arise among those who call themselves believers in Jesus Christ. Okay. Number, question number one, what is the difference between heaven and hell? All right. Is there a literal heaven and is there a literal hell? Yes, there is. Okay. Now, life has many opportunities and uh, you have lots of choices. You have the choice of coming to this church. You have a choice of which restaurant, Bojangles or Cracker Barrel. You get to choose which restaurant or go home and fix you a sandwich or whatever, or for those that are health conscious, something else, all right? <clears throat> all right? Now, you have a choice. Now, you have many choices in life, but when it comes to eternity, there's only two choices, all right? The elevator either goes up or the elevator goes down, all right? There's no other sideways. There's only floor one and floor two. All right, there's either eternal life in heaven. Okay, let's talk about that. See, when a person believes in eternal life in heaven, that means that they've acknowledged. See, the reason is like, why would God send his son Jesus Christ to whom he loved, who was his only son, to come to the earth, to have to be raised with a bunch of sinners, and live a life of obedience, and ultimately to be falsely accused, to go to be brutally punished, whipped, tortured, and then ultimately die on the cross. Let me tell you why. Because God loves you. God loved mankind. And the reason that God sent his son Jesus is because he knew that you were sinners. And let me tell you why you're sinners. Is Matthew 5.48 says, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So now... I don't want any liars in church. How many of you have sinned? All right. How many of you are perfect? Okay. Hey, everybody's paying attention. Usually when someone raises their hand, that means they weren't paying attention. So every once in a while I'll get one. So all right. None of us are perfect. There's none righteous. And how many sins does it take to keep you out of heaven? Just one. 
And I don't care how many big things you do for God, they'll never measure up because one sin, you're done. All right? So what God did is he sent his son Jesus Christ to pay for your sins, my sins, for eternity. And so what God did is he allowed Jesus Christ to bear the brunt of your sins. And what he did is he paid for your sins and earned for you, purchased for you, the right to go to heaven. All you have to do is trust in what Christ has done, the finished work of Christ. Now, for those who don't just know about God, but they have allowed the revelation of who Jesus is to come into their hearts and you've trusted in Christ to be your Savior and God's gone from your head to your heart, then this is what God says. He says, today your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today God says you get to come and be with me. So what's in heaven? What's in heaven is, first of all, God is in heaven. God's presence is heaven. And what happened is, right now we live with sin and sinners, and so we have conflict. In heaven, there's no sin, so you're going to get along with everybody all the time. It's going to be a party, all right? And in, in God's presence, all the people that have trusted in Christ, all your family and your friends, are going to be in heaven. Talk about a fellowship problem with no conflict, and God's presence is going to be there. We're going to have a party. There's a feast. There's, God's going to reward us for, not because of us trying to get into heaven, but because when we trusted in Christ, we did what he said during our daily devotions, and we walked it out. God says, I'm going to bless you because you did what I told you. You trusted me when circumstances didn't line, but you walked it out anyway. God says, I'm going to bless you. And so heaven is going to be, woo, Jesus. All right? Now, the bad things for those who chose floor number two, all right, they chose, let me tell you how they got there. See, hell is this. Hell is where Satan was cast to punish him because he wouldn't believe that God had a good relationship for him. And Satan and all the demons with him who were prideful thought they could do it without God or God's help. They're, they're there. And so they were cast there. But what happens is, what's the sin that gets people into heaven? Now, sin is sin, all right? Some sin has greater consequences. But what is the biggest sin in all of humanity? Is God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that people could receive that love, that forgiveness. And when people said, no, God, I don't want you. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your son. I don't want the love that you gave so I could have eternal life. I've chosen to be separated from you and to believe the lie that it's better to go to hell and be with my friends. Now, what's the problem with that lie? See, in hell, you're not with your friends. Now, they may be there, but the problem is you're not with them because hell is a couple things. Hell is, first of all, the presence of God is not there. Let me explain. Right now, you walk out and you look at the sky and the earth is held together by God's presence. You look at a bird that's flying. It's able to fly because of God's presence. A bird, a bee that is aerodynamically can't fly, but because of God's presence. Or a hummingbird that is flying that can exist, but because of God's presence. God's presence overrides those natural laws. So Romans chapter 1 says that all men will be held accountable. Even if they, they say they're an atheist or an agnostic, all you got to do is look out and see God is everywhere. Now, and also God is everywhere. 
But there's also something that we have, even an unbeliever. An unbeliever can say, oh, God, will you help me? And God will hear their cry and answer them, right? When you go to hell, this is what's happened. First of all, you're there, and you'll never, ever have a conversation with another person again. It is the absolute, utter, worst loneliness because you're there simply, and you've told God, take a hike. So God's not going, his presence is not there. The second thing is, you can cry all day long, but you've told God, I've made the decision not to trust in you. Guys, you don't just have to be a really, really bad person to go to hell. You just have to be a person who simply said, God, I don't want your love. All right? So you're not going to be there with your friends. There's not going to be conversations. It's the loneliest. Let's look what the Bible says. Not what Randy says. Let's look what the Bible says about eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God. The difference between 18 inches. A lot of people here, millions of people have known God here, but not here. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. And what? Shut out from the presence of the Lord. They will not be able to access God's presence and from the majesty of his power. You can cry, God heal me, God deliver me, but it's too late. God's presence and his power will no longer be options. Matthew 25, 46. And they will go away into eternal punishment because they rejected the love of our Father. But the righteous will go on into eternal life having a party forever, worshiping God with God's people. Amen? All right. Second question. Is there only one way into heaven? Now, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what Jesus himself said. And again, God is the author of the Bible. Again, if you ever want to just say, hey, well, I don't believe in the Bible, that's too bad. Uh, It's pretty amazing to prove that God's word is the most reliable, most sold. There's a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, as well as many others, about this thick. And it only begins, if you read that book and you can't believe that the Bible is God's word, there's something mentally wrong. All right? Or spiritually blinding. Okay? It's amazing, guys, that we can trust in God's Word. But this is what Jesus says. Now, people will say, Randy, what about the Jews? Jesus came first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Again, do I have any Jews here? I had, one, I had two people last service. Any true Jew here? You're, you got some. How about half a Jew? Quarter Jew? All right. Hey, Danielle, all right. All right. So Jesus came to the Jews first, but what did the Jews do? They rejected him. They abandoned him. They disobeyed him. He would have mercy. They'd, he'd bring them back. They'd, they'd walk away. And God says, guys, you can't do this. He says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son, Jesus. And Jesus said he came not just for the Jews. The Jews were his chosen people. But he says, I'm going to the Jews and to the Gentiles. How many of us all are Gentiles? Amen. All right. Anybody who didn't raise their hand? Danielle's the only one. All right. But what Jesus did is it made the door open for all Gentiles to come and spend eternity with God in heaven. So, so... Is there only one way into heaven? Randy, what about all the religions in the world? You know? Now, how many of you know God is able to fight his own battles? He is big enough. All right? He's been big enough forever. All right? So I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what God himself, Jesus Christ himself said. 
and then you can take it up with him if you don't like it. All right? But I can tell you who's going to win. Because he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. John 14, 6 said this. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no religion, in church, out of church, no one comes to the Father except through me. Either I place my trust in what Christ alone has done on the cross or I reject it. It doesn't matter what church, what religion, what good things you've done. It's only entrusting in Christ alone for your salvation. Now, so what is the difference between knowing God and knowing about God? I say 18 inches. 18 inches is here. How many of you know that George Washington existed? How do you know? How do you know George Washington existed? He's on the dollar bill. Right? We believe because others have said that he's there. And we watch YouTube and on the internet. Right? We've read books. We studied about it. But we don't know that he existed. Have you ever allowed George Washington into your heart? No? See, what is eternal life? We're going to get into that. So, knowing God, I know about George Washington, but George Washington isn't doing anything for me. All right? The difference between about knowing God and knowing about God. Again, I knew about God. Many of you were in church, and you thought you knew God, but then you saw, uh-uh. He has something. She has something. That little jump off the page thing says, you're not in the presence of God. He's not in your heart. And then you know that the day when you trusted in Christ alone, then Christ became real to you. And it's like this, I know that I know. In fact, the reason the Bible was written, 1 John five thirteen, the reason the Bible was written so that you know you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you know that you know. Guys, I, I thought I knew here. But when Christ came into here, I go, oh, my gosh. It's like my, the forgiveness of sin became real. My, my eyes were open. I read the Bible for the, before. It was like, I, what, who would write, read this book? Then when Christ came into my life, it was like, oh, this is amazing. And, man, they jump off the page. So God becomes real. It's like this, the difference between knowing about and knowing. This is what God says about eternal life. This is eternal life that you may know that, I, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. It's not knowing about, but it's knowing. Now, how many of you believe this chair is a chair? Got a hand? Come on, you guys with me today? All right, well, this is a chair. Now, what's the difference between knowing Christ and trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? How many of you believe this chair would hold you up? Why? Why? It's because you've seen Ryan get up. Ryan's right there. You've seen Ryan get up here and spin around on it, right? You've seen Ryan sit on this chair. But have you ever seen Randy sit on this chair? I'm a little heavier than he is, right? So the only way to know that this chair is going to hold Randy is if Randy takes what he's trusting in, his, his body, his skeletal structure, and he takes what he's trusting, and he sits down. He means, whoo! It worked. It worked for me, 
and I believe it will work for you. But you will never know until you get off of what you're sitting on and what you're trusting in and you personally come and sit down. What is faith? Faith is not just acknowledging Jesus, not looking, I attend church, I've done good things, I work in Sunday school, I've even taught about God. How many of you know, I, I, you can teach about God and know him here. I've led pastors to faith in Christ who have seminary degrees. They've known God here and it was just a good job so I can make some money. Guys, there's a difference. When Christ becomes real, it changes everything. And God writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But it comes when you stop trusting you and what you could do and trust in the finished work, the free gift, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Man. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and then it's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. No matter how many good things I've done, trying to get myself into heaven. That's what the religious scribes and Pharisees did. They came up with a bunch of stuff that made you religious without relationship. And God says it doesn't work. So I want to ask you a question. I'm going to come back to that Mark chapter 8, verse 29. But what about you, they ask. Who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter answered, you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the king. I want to ask you the question. You're in church today. Have you known about God? Yes. But who has God been to you? Who have you experienced him to be? His word says, I want you to experience so much more than what you've had. I've not changed. Who I am is in his word. And I'm available for more than you could ever think or imagine if you'll just let me. So who is Jesus to you?